0: Hello,
2: folks, and welcome to the Metallica Report. I'm Stefan Shirazi, editor of the band's So What magazine.
3: And I'm Renee Richardson, director of philanthropy for Metallica's foundation, all within my hands. This is your official weekly Metallica podcast, the only inside source, bringing you all the news from the band's HQ and studios deep in the heart of Northern California. And a massive thanks to the Spotify fans who weighed in on this week's question, which ties in with this week's episode. We asked you what you wanted to know about HQ.
2: So Diego Huerta, Patrick, Andrea Nesbo, Matt, Julia, Torres Lozado and others. Your answers are coming in one of the next two pods because guess where Renee and I physically are this week. We're in HQ. Yeah, we are. And just to give a proper definition of exactly what HQ is, it's the place where the band record. It's where they come to jam and rehearse in preparation for tours or for projects. It's where the fan club is. It's where the merchandise gets created. There's so many things that happen in this building. It really is the true mothership of everything that is to do with Metallica. We're really delighted to be able to spend some quality time here and bring you behind the curtain.
3: And helping us with that this week, we've got Rob Trujillo, we've got the HQ in-house engineer and audio man, Kent Matke, and runner Jack Ketchum, plus Jeff Yeager. And we'll tell you a little more about Jeff in just a few minutes.
2: We're sitting right here in Studio B. It's the jam room. It's kind of like where all the action has been happening since this building first opened way, way back 2002. The vibes are huge, right? I mean, we're looking at all these banners. I'm looking at that Thin Lizzy sign that yes, people have talked legendary. about. Legendary. Yeah, Legendary indeed. And it was actually a coffee table in someone's house in London, I was told, before James managed to locate it and buy it because he had to have it. It's one of the only three original... Finn Lizzie stage signs in the world just I mean this is just this is fucking cool right?
3: yeah fans fans have seen you know bits and pieces in the inside of this room but to be in it you know I remember the first time I walked into this room and the the hair on my neck stood up it's like this is it's pretty special and you can just feel all the love for the band in this room so a lot of really cool memories for the band here and just uh, incredible to be sitting in it to do this show today
2: yeah, I just love. I mean, look, these banners all have so many stories from so many corners of the world. We got Norway Inc over there. We got the Guatemala chapter. We got the Belgian Metal Army salutes. We got Seek and Destroy Las Vegas. We got Sweden in a Rock and Ring only for Metallica. We got a Raiders flag up there. Who put that <laughs> up there? Uh, Mr. Hetfield, have you been on a step ladder putting Raiders <laughs> flags up? Uh, okay. Kings of Donington, um, the the Metallica on the Union Jack um, have escaped. Got uh, Metallica, Estonia, Ecuador, Germany, Mexico. I mean, just uh, the United States of America with the big four. Look, and I, I'm not even turning around as a Japanese one. I, I, I feel, Look, if I've missed your banner, it's not because it ain't here. It's because I've, we don't have the time for me to see them all, but it's so, it's inspirational. It really is.
3: And it's HQ all the way, by the way, for the next two weeks. This week, we're starting off in this very special part of the building, as we already started talking about. Next week, we're going to actually walk you through all of the rooms here at HQ and all the parts of the building. And we'll be doing that with a very special person in the Metallica family who's going to give us some insight and the inside scoop.
2: Yes, we are delighted to have Jeff Yeager with us both this week and next. Jeff is the content and network manager for the Met Club, and he's known as Met on Tour when the band are on the road. Jeff's been around these HQ parts since the beginning, and this week we're going to talk a little bit about the banners here in Studio B, as well as what was the first major event this room ever hosted, which was the relaunch party way back in 2002. So here's Jeff, and I I think it's safe to say he's an HQ guru. Oh, yeah, you can call him that. I think we can call him Mm -hmm. that. So take it away, Jeff.
1: Originally, it was supposed to be a launch party, and it was supposed to celebrate the launch of the new website, and we were going to have a party at HQ and have fans come and stuff like that, but we had to postpone, so then it became the relaunch party, because by this time, the website had already been launched, (laughs) you know, the previous year. So, yeah, so the relaunch party was in this room. Buses of fans, they picked them up in San Francisco and they blacked out the windows and don't see where we're going. And then they pulled up into the driveway and then we had a barbecue in the back and hung out with band guys and fans. And then they came inside and everyone kind of made a little circle around, you know, all the instruments and the band played. I remember when we put up these banners, because before we there were some banners on the wall, but there wasn't any hanging from basically the rafters in here. So right after Death Magnetic Tour, Zach was getting this room ready again for the band to come in and start working and writing the next record. So this whole room was cleaned out. There was nothing in here. And I think before they had rugs... Right here under our feet. And now they actually put down carpet, little. So that's why they cleaned out the room, put down the carpet. And then we had all these boxes and boxes and boxes of flags. And most of the time, fans throw flags onto the stage and the band guys will either pick it up and show it or they'll just kind of pick it up and throw it at a, you know, crew guy or whatever. And most of the time, those go into a road case. And then when they're done with the tour, for. However many years the road cases kind of get cleaned out or whatever, and all these flags go in a box. So you can imagine there are a
2: lot of boxes. So there are still considerably more banners in this room to put up. Yeah.
1: So as you're looking around the room, you see a lot of like 2008 and 2009, 2010, that kind of era banners is because this was right after the Death Magnetic Tour. Zach Harmon, equipment manager, base tech, just everything, everything Metallica. Zach rented a scissor lift and basically just kind of went through the boxes of flags and picked out the ones that he liked. I mean, he thought that would look good up in the rafters here.
2: Yeah. I mean, incredible really to to think about. There's all those banners. But the, I think the, the key thing I take away from it is no banner is thrown away. No, we have boxes and boxes of
1: banners and we don't really have the time and resources to change out these banners, because now that the band are writing and recording here, we really can't move any gear. We can't move the speaker cabinets. We can't move the drum kit. We can't move the microphones that are back over here, the room mics and stuff like that. So I don't want to say it's stagnant, but we can't change these banners out for the ones that we got during hardwired or whatever. So
2: it is the HQ but a lot of people ask about the storage like is everything stored at HQ and I mean am I right in saying I mean if they were to attempt to store everything at HQ HQ would have to be a hell of a lot bigger right?
1: There are other storage facilities yes there's there's no way everything that the band own could fit inside of HQ even if you took everything out including offices and people and control rooms and stuff like that.
2: So what determines what stays? I mean, we look at this and I'm like, Christ, this is cluttered. There's like, in front of me, there's probably at least uh, a dozen guitars just in my eyesight. But this is kind of the thinnest of thinning out the herd, right?
1: Yeah, this is the HQ equipment. This is the stuff that stays here for the band whenever they want to rehearse or whenever they want to start writing or just jamming or or whatever they want to do. This is like the HQ
2: gear. Yeah, so this is the Primo stuff, the stuff that's going to really help move the needle for whatever projects they're working on right now. Right. Do you have a favorite memory from this studio?
1: Maybe the first time when they started, okay, we're going to start writing the next album, Death Magnetic. So it's like, okay, Jeff, you you have to document us writing the next record so get a couple cameras and set them up and and you you have to be in here filming us writing a record and that was that's probably just like okay that's crazy i mean i'm gonna stand in the room 10 feet from james and lars while they work on new material
2: yeah yeah that's an exciting moment
1: for sure for sure and being and being a Metallica fan and you're walking into this building, you're like, you're just so overwhelmed by just just being in the building. First of all, this is Metallica's home, and you're walking inside their home. And then you walk into this room and you look up against the back wall, and there's this huge banner. It's a backdrop, but it looks like a banner. It's like, wow, that is really big. And you're kind of looking at it, and it's all tinfoil and it's like crimpling off and stuff, but as you get closer, you can see the lightning bolts and you can actually see the chair if you go really up close to it. Like, whoa, that is the ride the lightning banner and then go over and you, you have to move cables and you have to lift up the backdrop to put the cables underneath it. And it's, real tacky and it's just it's kind of dirty and grimy
2: and i was more intrigued that like if i smelled it if it would bring me right back to 1984 and and my days (laughs) uh, with sounds and seeing them at the lyceum with that very banner hanging behind them. And I just thought it was very cool the way you described it because it's such a unique piece of history.
1: Yeah, it's a unique piece of history. It's iconic. But the other piece that really resonates with me is the scary guy backdrop behind Kent. And that was on the 94 tour. And that was my... It wasn't my first show, but it was my first tour that I saw multiple shows. I saw three shows in three days in three different cities. But that backdrop is more synonymous with me being a fan and becoming a fan and becoming an obsessive fan and and things like that. So seeing that was super iconic, but seeing that was like, oh my God, that's the banner.
3: And we're back. So getting to those Spotify questions, let's get started with Ev Metal. Does Lars keep all his drums here? No. (laughs) He doesn't. It's impossible to keep them all here.
2: Yeah.
3: (laughs) However, there are drums here and they're ready to be played at any given time. Now, Rob Trujillo joined the band not long after HQ was officially completed. It's fair to say that he has a very deep relationship with the building
5: well it's an important part of my existence in the last 20 it'd be 21 years now and so much history it's like i lived there my memories go back to when we had recorded and filmed the some kind of monster performance that was special for me because that was actually the first time for all of us to perform and play those songs that was all live and that was sort of my first official i guess kind of performance with the band i think so that was that was special to me and there was a lot of pressure i remember having my charts all on the floor in fact we all had charts i remember kirk had his as well we call those cheat sheets, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, we're kind of all sort of at you know at the edge of our seats, trying to get through these crazy arrangements for Saint Anger. And right where you're sitting, that whole area—that's where all that happens. So you know, just so much history over those years, many years actually. It was the place where I could really just be free and create also obviously practice whatever we were working on whether it was songs for the live show whether it was duets whether it was basso ideas getting sounds i mean it's everything and i could do that late at night you know i could do that at two in the morning you know i had the freedom it it is a little weird sometimes a little scary because it's such a big building there's a lot of energy there to be honest
2: One of the questions that we've been asked, like, you know, what happens in this building in the small hours and at night and so on and so forth? So when you're in doing your 2 a.m., is it kind of just you? Yeah,
5: it it would have been just me. Absolutely. Course, we have all the alarms set and everything. A couple of times the alarm went off, and I was just like scrambling to turn it off <laughs> four in the morning or something. Uh, you know, because if there's a window that's opened or ajar, you know, the, the alarm's gonna go off. I would just kind of hunker down in my room, literally shut the door and uh tune everything else out.
2: That's some overlook hotel stuff right there. Mm. I mean, you're sitting in your room at 2 a.m. and you hear a sound.
5: Yeah. I mean- well, I always thought to myself, like, this would be a great film. HQ gets overtaken by aliens. I don't know, and, uh, and I'm kind of hiding in the closet and yeah, I mean, it's, I always believe that in incredible creative spaces, there's just a lot of special juju that comes with it. You know, we, we've written a lot of great songs there and recorded you know just the banners alone I mean imagine how much time and and passion uh, you know and inspiration that was put into each one of those banners from all around the world you know and each banner has its story some of the stories might be rooted in a healing process but it means it's Metallica means that to a lot of people it's like I'm gonna create and make this banner for Metallica because they saved my life you know what I mean stuff like this there's just a lot of that.
2: I got to pin you on the banner thing. Do you have certain banners that you look to as a sightline? Are there certain things that catch your, certain banners that always catch your eye that you're like, it's a centering thing or are your eyes constantly catching a new banner? How does that There's
5: work? There's one, was one banner there that I laugh at because the artwork is pretty interesting. I think you know which one. And I look a little more like uh, <laughs> Chewbacca from Land of the Lost. I, I almost look <laughs> like- That's insane. You're right. Uh, you're
3: right. And that's looking uh, at you uh, when uh, you're playing.
5: <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of, you know, whoever, their interpretation of me was definitely more in the Neanderthal category. <laughs> so I always laugh at that one. Sometimes you have new discoveries, you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Because so people write messages on the band. Yeah. Every every banner kind of has a, a special place in my heart. Yeah. It definitely, the, the banners are great because it reminds you of the fans and why we do this and why we're here and why we're in that building. It's also for the fans. We have the best fans on the planet and, and you always got to kind of remember that and this is the reminder.
2: A band with an HQ? What's your first thought? You came here and you auditioned here, right? I mean, you walk into an HQ building. What was going through your head? And then you join this band and it's an HQ. I mean, does it bump up? Does it make you feel more comfortable? Does it make you feel, oh my God, I'm stepping into like this huge organization. Like what was the psychology for you when you first realized, well, this band has this giant clubhouse?
5: Yeah, it was crazy. You know, I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. You take it in and you have to ground yourself and i always like to you know i always think it's important to stay grounded at a certain point certain bands are fortunate enough to have their own version of what hq is i mean i've seen that a lot more in recent times i was at a party last weekend for the grammys at will i am's studio his hq and it was huge. I mean, and he's got like we've got one control room, one studio. He's got like four or something. Wow. You know, he's got four of those control rooms that we have. He's got like four of those. I was like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> it's like, that's insane.
2: So do you, I mean, do you guys sit and compare HQs? <laughs> no, but I mean, do you, you talk can't studios help it or whatever? Like, you know, wow, you know.
5: I'm- I think I think what happens is Ultimately, you kind of do. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> ours is like the, the cool thing about ours is it's 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 really it feels lived in. It feels like the garage that we all grew up with, having some of the set pieces from Justice for All and the banner from uh, you know Ride the Lightning, and then some of James's super cool collectibles hanging on the wall. That brings inspiration, and that lets you know where you came from what it's all about, right, at the end of the day. And I am impressed with other people's HQs, but I still think ours is the best.
2: Fantastic stuff. Delighted to hear from Rob as always. And, hey, I have another question about HQs. I sit here, these are things I've seen happen around me for years and years and years, and you almost take for granted, but you shouldn't. It's the runners. I oh, mean, yeah. they should not be taken for granted. No. Again, this building is constantly working And the runners are constantly helping keep things moving. I mean, whether the band are in, whether the band are out, they're always up to something.
3: Yeah. Any needs that anyone has, the runners are the ones who make it happen efficiently.
2: Yeah. So, So we're going to talk to Jack Ketchum about a day in the life of a runner, kind of when, you know, when it's game time, when the band are in and when the band aren't in. So Jack,
0: take it away. All right. So what I get up to in a day when the band are in, That means that the whole crew is also in. So there's going to be about 16 or 20 people floating around. And we're going to be the first in the building. We're going to start getting food orders and bring meals to people so they can start going about their day. We're often told other tasks to gather for the band themselves or for people. Cigars for James, things like that.
2: I should ask you as well how you got started as a runner here. How did you get the gig?
0: So my friend Dana, he's been a runner here, and he's the runner coordinator now. He's been doing it for, I believe, 8 to 10 years, and he's a, a close friend. I've known him from his previous job also at a music store, and we share a studio together, a studio warehouse where we each have rooms to make music. And at the beginning of the 72 Seasons project, which at the time, I don't know if anyone knew it was going to be called 72 Seasons, he knew that he was going to need some backup, there was going to be a lot of running around that uh, just wasn't taking place since the end of hardwired so he got me on board and then on a couple months later i think we got two of our other friends on board
2: excellent so it's a crew it's a tight-knit crew then
0: yes every day there's a morning runner and then a later afternoon and evening runner and this is because even when the band isn't in, Greg Fiddleman and his audio crew, they're in. So, I mean, there's
2: a network of people who are always at HQ Correct. and they're always revolving. And how, how big is the running team? How, how many of you are there at this point? There's four of us. Does this job feel like, well, you know, there may always be another window into uh, and another pathway into my craft or, you know, something else I'm passionate about. And if that's the case, is there something that you're into?
0: Oh, yeah. I bring on some previous uh, guitar repair experience from my previous job as an apprentice luthier. And after doing a number of just simple string changes for band members and, and mostly for Greg Fiddleman, and then doing some further intonations on the guitar, I've become one of Greg's go-to for his personal guitar collection, just like simple fixes or or setups and things like that.
2: And look, while we sit in this, I mean, it is this most reverential of rooms, we are fortunate to be looking across mm-hmm. at the far side <laughs> to uh, just an incredible bunker over there with a pretty... Cool fucking guy, right? Yes. I mean, another HQ veteran is mm-hmm. sitting over there. He is the in house audio specialist and engineer, Kent Mackey. And we're going to drag Kent over to give us his overview of what HQ means to him, what he gets up to on a daily basis, and how it has changed over the
6: years. I basically feel like I'm kind of the glue that holds the place together. You know, I like Greg's over in the control room and whatever it is, I'm just trying to put all the pieces together and keep things moving. So, you know, piece of gear goes down in the control room, like go get a spare or something breaks that we don't have a spare for. I've got to go dial it up, find it someplace. That's sort of the day day to day with those guys is just keeping, you know, I guess it's kind of a, I'm not really a tech per se. I'm, you know, I'm a recording engineer, but. I'm not a component level guy. So I definitely, a lot of that stuff we get. uh, I see you taking these notes. I
2: see you restoring tapes. I mean, talk a little bit about that work as well.
6: Again, uh, one of the
2: things I think is really interesting to detail for people is this is a a full-time gig. I mean, this is, whether the band are here or not, there's still tons of stuff for you to be getting on with,
6: right? Oh, yeah. No, it's like, well, I say job security with, you know, or what if I had a business card, I'd be like, Metallica, it's always something. No, it's great because, you know, they got, you know, reissues and, I'm you know, we're getting vinyl cut and then they got their own vinyl pressing plant and then we get the test pressings and, you know, you got to throw up the test pressing and check it out and then I'm the guy who, like, finds the clicks and pops, put on the bad ears and you're like oh and then you report back and then they you know go check and make see if they need to clean the pressing masters or whatever so yeah doing the qc is a big part of it
2: i mean if there's one thing that you can take away from the work you've been doing at hq what would it be what's been a highlight moment
6: i sort of appreciate being part of this it's just such a it's so bigger than me but i feel like i'm able to contribute in a way that still helps them create
2: Those guys work so hard, such important wheels for sure. And look, speaking of which, before we go, we got to say hats off to Benji, Michaela. They are also part of the team who helped keep this building uh, rocking. And of course, to Vicky Strait, who is the HQ president.
3: Anyway, thanks for listening. We're out of time here, so Steph.
2: And as Renee said at the beginning of the episode, join us next week when we'll be taking a walk around the building and showing you all the nooks and crannies and various spaces when we bring you further behind the curtain of HQ than you've ever been before. And again, Spotify listeners who ask questions about HQ, if you didn't hear your answers this week, be sure to keep your ears dialed in next week because there's a chance we'll get to them then.
3: Yeah. See
2: See ya. ya. The Metallica Report is produced by Metallica HQ, Pantheon Media, and PopCult. If you like what we're doing here, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to visit metallica.com slash podcast to submit your questions, offer your thoughts, and become a part of this podcast.
3: Copyright 2024. All rights reserved.